Do you love the Dastardly Decimal System and want more? Our Patreon is the best way to get that. Members will get access to show notes, official artwork, our new bonus episode series called Cleaning Up After Tea Time, and of course, plenty of cat pics of Vega voice actors, Vash and Zid. This can all be found at patreon.com slash dastardlydecimalsystem. I shall tell you of such a tale. It is a tale quite familiar to me, for I have spent nearly a lifetime piecing it together and chronicling it here, within this book. Perhaps now, in the telling of it, I shall at least find the answers I seek. Belafet. Welcome, humble adventurers, to my realm of knowledge and mystery. Here, in my cursed library, are endless tomes and scrolls on the darkest and evilest foes in all of the realms, be they from Dungeons and Dragons, Pathfinder, the many worlds of darkness, or any realm in between. Welcome to the Dastardly Decimal System. I'm your caretaker of the corrupt, the librarian, Caster Kane. Pride is a powerful emotion. It can strengthen us, push us forward, and even help one shatter the glass ceiling of their limits. But it is also a dangerous emotion. What happens when pride is our defining trait? What happens when pride blinds us to all else? What happens if pride is responsible for the destruction of thousands? For today's topic, I have brewed a pot of dagger tea. It is a black tea blend with hibiscus, raspberry leaves, chamomile, and cranberry. It is the perfect tea for an explorer of the frozen lands of Icewind Dale. This is perfect as we talk about Belafet. Belafet was a crimson-skinned Beatizu who towered over even the tallest of men. His sculpted torso was covered with bronze-crafted armor that was seemingly fused to his skin. He carried two gigantic blades that looked more like cleavers than actual swords. And when he wielded them, he did so with such brutal savagery that his foes were just left as pieces. As a powerful devil, he was immune to mundane weapons. Only magic could pierce his hide. He was a master of fire-based spells, and because of that experience, fire had no effect on him. His skills in magic allowed him to dispel the strongest of buffs, and even steal control of the balls of fire that continuously rained down in Avernus. Belifet was a cunning thinker and a charismatic leader. Time and time again, he could sway even the most die-hard of foes and convert them to his side, wooing them with promises and charm. He would do so so gradually that when the alignment shift occurred, you would think it was your idea all along. Devils and demons have been fighting for as long as time has existed. They are two eternal forces, constantly battling out in a feud known as the Blood War. Entire castes were created for the sole purpose of fighting in this war. Yet for some, the battle was a lot more personal. 
At some point during the millennia of battle, the devil known as Belafet came face to face with the demon Merilith known as Yaxnome. It's unknown who suffered the first loss, demon or devil, but whichever one did, they swiftly got their revenge in the next battle. Back and forth the two enemies went. One would strike only for the other to return, escalating with each blow. An eye for an eye leaves everybody blind. But when you can regenerate those eyes, the hatred never goes away. This continued until neither could see beyond the other. Belafit and Yaxnome didn't care about the blood war anymore. They didn't care about collection of souls. They only wished to destroy the other. This was no longer about their creature type or their history. This was no longer about demons versus devils. This was about their pride. Their battles escalated so much that each skirmish would cause untold damage to the realms. After all of the damage caused to Avernus in one such battle, Belafit was given an unheard of punishment. He was banished from the Nine Hells. Throughout his existence, Belafit was a prideful soul. It was his defining characteristic. His pride wouldn't let him rest until Yaxnome was destroyed. And now, his pride fueled his desire for revenge on the Nine Hells. They dared to banish him? So now they must pay. Belafit found himself in the frigid north of Toril. He began to plot his revenge when he was contacted by a sentient force. It was dark, powerful, and fueled with as much hate and pride as he was. Surprisingly, it was far older than he was. Not an easy accomplishment for one as immortal as him. Belhifet trekked across the frigid frozen far until he found its source. It was not a man or elf, devil or demon or even anything as eternal. It was a sentient artifact known as the Kreshinabon. With the crystal shard in hand, he turned his attention to the ten towns of Icewind Dale. Using the shard's magic, he would raise an infernal army of devils. Yet, in order to do that, he needed access to a dormant portal hidden within the Temple of Tempests, located in the small fishing village of East Haven. The portal would open to Avernus, but it had been sealed away in the Jared Stone Monument by some do-gooding hero. He needed access to that temple if he was going to succeed, but there was no way a devil such as him could simply waltz in. He needed to take the form of another. Belhifet started by taking the guise of Brother Poquelin, a human cleric serving the god Ilmater. He drew forth Ilmater's followers and slowly corrupted their minds and bodies. Some he even turned into undead creatures. He led his followers to the peaks of the Spine of the World and took control of an abandoned dwarven temple. There, he began to form his army. With the shard's power emanating outwards, nearby goblins, orcs, and giants flocked to him, eager to enlist in his sinister army. 
During his schemes within Ten Towns, he impregnated several human and elven women to create his spawn. He commanded a number of lesser fiends, and even recruited numerous Abiyashai, a breed of devils loyal only to Tiamat. He seduced a band of lieutenants to serve Poquelin's unholy cause. Among them was a drow sorceress Malavon, the bandit Marketh, and Salbictan, a red wizard of Thay. Yet none were as loyal as the elf maiden known as Ilmedia Bariel. Well, kinda. This misguided woman was a follower of Ilmater and worshipped Brother Poquelin, unaware that his true form was that of a devil. She was a maiden, and therefore a virgin and pure. Yet Poquelin would lay with her time and time again, removing the act from her memory after the fact. Ilmedia only discovered his true form when she gave birth to a pair of half-devil twins, ones who would threaten Icewind Dale decades after her father's defeat. Actions such as these, however, are what caught the attention of Yuxnome. Demons and devils look at time differently than mortals do. If two humans were fighting and one got banished to another realm and forever forbidden to return, we would consider that a win. Immortals, however, know that nothing lasts forever, not even banishment. To Yuxnome, the war was not over until one of them no longer existed. When word reached Yuxnome that Belefit was in Icewind Dale, the Merolith decided to hunt him down. It is here, however, that I begin to question her intelligence. Yuxnome recruited mortals of her own to form an army, one that could combat the forces of Belefit. However, her choice was less than ideal. In a world of great horrors and violent creatures, what did she choose to bring to the coldest place on Toril? What species of evil did she bring to the frozen wastelands of Icewind Dale? She brought the cold-blooded lizard folk and the cold-blooded Yanti. Now, I get the idea of sticking with the theme. She is a lizard snake demon lady, so she wants lizard snake minions. However, this still seems like a very poor choice to me. Yuxnome built a fortified lair inside a dormant volcano, a necessity for her cold-blooded troops, in an area of Icewind Dale known as Dragon's Eye. From there, she launched her less-than-subtle campaign. She knew Pelifet was in the north, but she did not know where. She assaulted Kuldahar Pass and plagued the region with evilness. She even went as far as to steal a powerful artifact known as the Heartstone Gem in order to locate her old enemy. But through all of that, she was left with only one name, Brother Poquelin. She knew he was connected to Belefit, but she did not know how. She planned to march onto Poquelin's fort, but was slowed by magically occurring avalanches 
and roving patrols of frost giants who would cut down any that approached. Ironically, as Belafit's actions drew the attention of Yuxnome, her actions drew the attention of a band of mercenaries that would become known as the Heroes of Ten Town. The heroes of Ten Town were recruited by an archdruid eager to solve the problem of the evil that had befallen the region of Icewind Dale. Their investigations sent them across the frozen land and eventually to the Dragon's Eye. They stormed the base, cutting down the lizard folk and Yanti before eventually appearing for Yuxnome. A fight against a Merolith is no easy battle. They are serpentine demon women with six arms each normally holding a magical blade. They are deadly fencers who can parry the most devastating of attacks while teleporting around the battlefield. The battle was long, her blades feasting time and time again on the heroes' flesh. Yet despite her skill, Yuxnome fell to the might of the heroes of Ten Town. As her body began to fade away, banished once more to the abyss, she warned them of the true villain brother, Poquelin. The hero's investigation continued, leading them to Poquelin's stronghold. They fought through a slew of goblins, giants, orcs, and devils before coming face to face with brother Poquelin. The cleric summoned swarms of insects and called down fire upon the heroes. The two sides fought until the heroes gained the upper hand. Yet, at the moment before their victory, the shard glowed and teleported them all away. The heroes found themselves back in East Haven. Only the small fishing village was now covered in ice, and the Temple of Tempest was surrounded by the crystalline tower known as Krishal Tirith, crafted by the shard itself. The heroes stormed the tower, fighting through the waves of devils. When they reached the top, they met with Brother Poquelin once more only to discover that he had opened the portal to Avernus. Poquelin revealed his true, fiendish form, and the two fought once more. Belafit was eventually struck down and sent back to Avernus, forbidden to walk the mortal realm for the next 100 years. For a century, Belafit remained in his home plane. He was initially content at his return, but as days became weeks and eventually years, he found himself tiring of the place. He now viewed Avernus as a prison and longed for his return to the material plane. An opening came when an Asimar woman named Kalar Argent foolishly read from the Tome of the Nine and inadvertently placed herself in the subjugation of Belafit. This caused her uncle to offer his soul in exchange for hers, a deal that Belafit readily agreed to. Belafit reappeared before Kalar years later. She was an adult now, and a paladin, and stood with high standing in House Argent. 
Belhafet offered her a chance to save her uncle's soul, and she swiftly agreed. Kalar became known as the Shining Lady and formed the Shining Crusade. She promised the people a return of their lands and freedom for the souls of those who fell in the first and second Dragonspear Wars. With her numbers in tow, she marched on Dragonspear Castle, an action that caught the attention of Abdel Adrian. Kalar and Abdel fought, but this was simply a trick. She needed ball spawn blood, and a duel was the best way to get it. When his blood touched the castle floor, the dormant portal activated. A gate between Avernus and the mortal plane opened, and the forces of Belafit marched through. Time and time again, Abdel has proven his ability to turn foe into ally. Reminding her of the damage that would occur with an open gate, and showing her a better path, Abdel brought the Shining Lady back to the side of good. The pair entered Avernus and assaulted Belafit directly. Belafit started the battle by dispelling any magical boons upon Abdel before summoning swarms of deadly, fiendish insects to feast upon their flesh. Then he assaulted them with fire and brimstone, even grabbing the burning meteors that rained down on Avernus and flung them at Kalar, Abdel, and his companions. Then he leapt into battle, his twin blades attacking with such fearsome savagery. Kalar and Abdel were no slouches. With the power of a god behind her, and the power of a god in his blood, they fought back. Spell and sword combined to smite the devil and strike him back. The battle was long and fearsome, and at several times, all felt lost. But just before their defeat, the last blow came from a divine blade. The blade cut through his armor and hide, and tore at the last sliver of his life force. Belafit fell backwards and dropped to the ground suddenly finding himself looking at the final death. A devil slain in the material plane is always returned to the Nine Hells. But a devil slain in Bator is forever slain. After millennia of war, conflict, and evil, Belafit was finally destroyed. Belafit's legacy in Icewind Dale still affects the region to this day. The crystal shard that fell from his grasp ended up time and time again in the hands of great evil. Thirty years after his defeat in Easthaven, his twin children rose to power and nearly destroyed the land. Icewind Dale still has a legacy of tiefling children and a weird subset of female-only children whose yellow eyes show even the sliver of their yon heritage. So much of Belafit's legacy is chronicled in his own writings. He crafted a book with the events of Icewind Dale, bluntly describing his successes and his losses. But for me, as a librarian and a lore keeper, the most frightening thing about Belafit is his classification, or lack thereof. Even with all of this recorded knowledge at my fingertips, I still lack a crucial piece of information. Exactly what type of devil was Pelifit? He seemed to have the power and size of a pit fiend, or the Conugon, but lacked their signature wings. He had the charisma and intellect of a harvester devil, but
but had power that far exceeded the harvester's limits. Does this mean that the nine hells hold new forms of devils that we have yet to see? If so, what other horrors exist beyond our discovery? Our tea has run dry, which means so too has our time. Thank you for joining Vega and I in our library. Feel free to return for more stories and lore about the darkest villains from the darkest realms. This has been the Dastardly Decimal System, and once again, I am your librarian, Caster Kane. The Dastardly Decimal System can be found on Twitter, Instagram, Facebook, and YouTube at DD System Podcast. That's Delta Delta System Podcast. We are also on TikTok if you enjoy a good TD meme. And who doesn't? Drop us a message and say hi. Vega always loves the attention. This podcast was produced by Midnight Reading Audio, a division of Midnight Reading Publishing. The voice of Caster Kane is Larry Gend. Hi. The voice of Vega the Cat was my cats, Zid and Vash. Music was The Cold Field by Dream Protocol, licensed under the Creative Commons. Thank you, and have a wonderful, wonderful evening. <laughs>